This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WBET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've joined us. My guest right now is Charles Ballard, professor of economics at Michigan State University. We're talking about the news last week that the U.S. economy added 916,000 jobs last month. A lot more jobs than were projected and more jobs than we have added in the last uh, seven months. Uh, does that mean the economy is making a turn toward a big comeback and that uh, we will have a, a pretty good spring and summer as COVID uh, maybe subsides, as vaccines continue to roll out, and uh, as maybe the world starts to come back together a little more. We want to hear from you as well about what's going on in your world economically. Are you doing better than you were a few months ago or half a year ago even at the height of the pandemic? Uh, are you, if you're not, if you're still unemployed, are you still getting unemployment? Uh, and talk to us about the stimulus checks. What did you do with, uh, with the stimulus check? And do you think that Spending that money is going to help the overall economy or the overall comeback that we are all really eagerly waiting and thinking is just around the corner here. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Dennis on Twitter says, my $1,400 stimulus check was used to pay off some of my credit card debt, which I racked up in the winter when my UI uh, lapsed, that's uh, unemployment insurance. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of people are doing. It's, uh, it's one of the things that uh, helps get the economy going as well. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Charlie, I, before we go back to listeners, I, I want to ask a little about the overall economic picture which before COVID had a number of kind of intrinsic issues. And one of them is this growing economic uh, inequality in, in our country and the downward mobility that we're seeing uh, among people of all ethnic backgrounds, which is a really interesting uh, dynamic. I saw an interview with Darren Walker, who is the CEO of the Ford Foundation, and he was talking about how this is the first generation of white Americans who are exper experiencing downward economic mobility. In other words, people are not making as much or getting as far ahead as their parents did. Uh, COVID, of course, it makes all of those things worse while it's, while it's with us and, and disrupting the economy. But I wonder if there are lingering effects of that coming out of something like the pandemic, uh, what, what that will look like, how that will play out uh, both locally and nationally. Well, uh, uh, that's a really good point that you raised, Stephen, and, and I just don't think that we can emphasize it enough. I, I would argue that the phenomenal increase in income inequality uh, in the last 40 years is the biggest economic story of my lifetime. Um, we uh, have seen um, that uh, a lot of people have done very, very well. Um, people with advanced degrees, especially people who get to be in the executive suite, CEOs, superstar athletes and entertainers, um, uh, top doctors and, and lawyers, and uh, those folks have done very well. 
But our economy is more than twice as big as it was back in the 70s. And yet for men who are, um, who don't have anything, who don't have a bachelor's degree, uh, adjusted for inflation, they're earning less than they were in 1973. Uh, and, and so, uh, that's a huge problem in my view because I think, you know, that, that goes on long enough. It really begins to fray at the, at the fabric of our society. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, I've been, Pleased to see that the Biden administration, some of their initiatives, uh, the expanded child credit, um, uh, some other things that they're doing, I think are pushing in the direction of helping the bottom 99% after we've had a, a 40 years where so much of the good news has been for the top 1%. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, and that has all been exacerbated by COVID. We know that the people who lost jobs were disproportionately women, minorities, and from low-income households. And when we get the uh, when we get the uh, census reports on income inequality and poverty, uh, we're probably going to see that those became worse. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think it's a big issue that we have to address as a society. Mm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Steve in Clawson. Steve, welcome to the Hi show. Hi there. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, I was telling a screener, I'm a small business owner, which I, I've got a bunch of points I need to make, and I hope I can get them all out. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And, and, and first of all, define small business for me, okay? Right. And, we, and you don't need to answer me right now. Uh, I've been in business 42 years. Right now, I have one employee, like one and a half. I got one full time, one part time. I've had as many as ten over the years. Mm-hmm. But and, and one thing that I've never been able to compete with a company that even has twenty five or thirty employees, as far as power of being able to buy insurance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the other thing is small business. I mean, that's still lumped in with a company that has five hundred employees. So it's it's that when you say small business. That needs to be defined to me better, but that's not really the reason I called. I've been dying to tune in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, even before the pandemic, I, I found it uh, hard to hire anybody. And anybody that uh, that comes to, or I haven't had anybody just walk in my front door looking for a job, and probably maybe I think one person in the last ten years. And I worked all the way through the pandemic. You know, I was I was. Uh, um, called essential mm-hmm. and um still and i will pay a good wage and the last couple of people i went on some of these sites and i actually actively went out looking for help on some of the employment websites and everything and the people i got were not quality people they were the attitude was kind of like i'm going to do you a favor and, and go to work for you they didn't do nice work and really uh, you know when i needed them to work some overtime they refused to it, it was it was really unusual, and I would you know I, I'm not going to start out by paying somebody a great big wage, but you can make a lot of money in a short amount of time if you just pay attention mm. and you know do as I instructed. It's not hard work. I mean, it might be a little physically harder. You're not so Steve, in front of a yeah. What line of work are you well, employing people? It, it's it's very uh, it's very uh, pointed, but it's a, it's a machine shop. Okay. 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 And we so have it's skilled labor. It's 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 a skilled 
It, it are, is. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I, Stephen, I'm telling you, I could teach a chimpanzee how to do some of this stuff. Okay. And uh, I just, I can't find somebody with a work ethic. And ever since this pandemic, nobody wants to work. And I get into this conversation with other people and other types of businesses that I just happen upon about how it's impossible to hire anybody nowadays. Because hmm. they want a, a way too much money. They want more money than they're worth. And in a very short amount of time, I would say within months, I would, I would be, if somebody has, you know, any kind of hand-eye coordination, I'll bet you that I can pay them, I don't know, 20 bucks an and hour. And you're not able to, you're not really able to find people to, to take those jobs. I'm not able to find anybody uh, that really wants to. Mm. And I've been through, oh, there's particular, there's trade schools, and I've had some of those people, and they're really not very good. And I actually mm. I met an instructor at one of them down in Ohio, and uh, I went to his, he, you know, he has a shop of his own on the side, and he teaches at this school. And be real honest with you, I wouldn't hire him. Hmm. So, um, so Steve, I, I really appreciate the call and the perspective. It, it is something I hear from employers about uh, how hard it is to to hire. I, I want to quickly go to another call, though, which kind of is the opposite side of the of the issue you're talking about. Sarah in Royal Oak. Sarah, go ahead. Hi. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so I've been on unemployment since August, um, and I've been looking for a job since August. And um, I'm hearing this narrative often that, that people are staying on, on unemployment on purpose, that they don't want to work. And I think that's absolutely untrue. I've been looking for full-time work as a full-time job. And people expect me to just sort of grab the first thing I can get, you know. But unemployment is paying me more than half of the jobs I've been applying to. Mm. Uh, you know, why would I work at McDonald's or 7-Eleven um, and get yelled at by customers all day when I have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to find a position that really fits me, that pays the cost of living? Um, so that's where I'm at so, in so, my job. <laughs> so, Sarah, I, I really appreciate your call and your perspective as well. I, I'm curious, what line of work are you looking for work in? In other words, what's the job that you would really like to have right now? Yeah, I'm a graphic designer. Uh, I have a degree in graphic design. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm at a point where I, I could sort of look for a different career path, but, um, you know, I paid for college in this. Right. You know, I want to use my degree. So yeah. um, that's what I've been looking for. Yeah. Well, Sarah, we, we of course, wish you all the luck in, in, in finding work. And, and I, again, really appreciate the call. Uh, uh, Charlie, the, the, the contrast between the narrative from Steve, an employer who says he really can't find enough people to fill the jobs that he has or enough quality people, and Sarah, who's out looking full-time for work and is unable to find work that, you know, that will pay her better than unemployment or be in field. That's a real intractable part, I feel like, of the economy right now. There is a gap between the jobs that exist and the people who need employment. There, you know, I was really struck by the difference in, in uh, perspective between the two callers. Um, the uh, Steve, I believe is his name, was um, he was uh, <clears throat> commenting on the, the lack of a, of a good work ethic. Something that I've heard more often from employers is that they are having trouble finding workers who have the appropriate skills. Mm -hmm. And I think we do have something of a disconnect between our K-12 education system and our, and our community colleges and, and our training programs and getting people to have the skills that fit into 
what needs to be done. But I think you're right. Your other caller, uh, I mean, there are people who have decent skills, but, you know, it's a, it's a complicated matching problem to find an employer and an employee who have who fit in in all the right ways and and so i i wish uh sarah luck as she continues to look i i believe that she's going to be able to find something i believe that the opportunities will be better um in the coming months um but there's just no question that we do have some long-term structural issues in our economy and then all of them have been uh, made much worse by the COVID pandemic yeah okay Charlie Ballard, professor of economics at Michigan State University. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for being here today on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Have a good one. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at how Detroit companies are thinking about office space and work amid and after the pandemic. Kirk Pinho of Crane's Detroit Business will join us to talk about some work he has been doing, taking a look at the future of office space. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. For millions of Americans, the jobs we thought we had to do in offices alongside all of our coworkers are now being done at home because of the pandemic. So many employees and employers alike have made that adjustment during the pandemic that it raises a really important question. Will we ever go back? And if we do, how will this pandemic have forever changed the nature of work, especially inside offices, which raises an even bigger question. What would a massive shift away from shared workspaces mean for our cities and the gigantic office buildings that define their commercial centers? Think of how much has changed in downtown Detroit over the last 10 or 12 years. We have worked really hard in this city to attract more employers to these giant office buildings that for so long were empty or mostly empty. So what happens to them if there's this massive shift away from in-office work? Crane's Detroit business real estate reporter Kirk Pinho has been looking into what local businesses are thinking about their office needs post-pandemic, and he joins me now to talk about it. Kirk, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So what are you hearing from local companies about how they might be reassessing their office needs once more employees are vaccinated and the COVID surge we're enduring right now maybe subsides and more people are at least able to return to in-person work? Yeah, it's sort of a grab bag if you think about it. Um, and it, and the, the answers really sort of range or run the gamut um, from well, I'm not really planning on going back to the office ever again to, um, well, we're going to be coming back here as soon as everyone's vaccinated. Um, and that that sort of runs the continuum, both small businesses and large businesses. Um, some of the small businesses that I spoke with plan and, and have basically shed 
essentially all of their office space. Um, and you have a company as large as DTE that uh, decided um, not so long ago that it didn't need a 120,000 square foot building in Ann Arbor that it owned where 400 people worked uh, because they're basically just going to be working from home indefinitely. Um, it's really sort of an existential sort of issue that we got coming up here and, um, you know, how how it actually, you know, turns out sort of remains to be seen, but we're seeing some inklings. So is there a serious possibility that we'll see a permanent and or long-term drop in demand for office space and people, uh, you know, downtown, uh, are we, are we likely to see a fundamental shift, I guess, is the question in the way that the office space in our downtown is being used? Um, I think there's going to be a shift, but whether that poses huge problems for uh, a downtown area is is an open-ended question like Detroit or Ann Arbor. Um, and the reasoning for that is um, there's always going to be companies who are looking around for space. Um, whether there's... Um, well, let me go, let me go back. There's always going to be companies who are that are looking around for space. Um, some of the experts that I spoke with have been sort of surveying companies and believe that anywhere between 25 and 30 percent of the workforce is going to be working from home in sort of a permanent capacity. Mm. Um, that may just mean that companies need to shift around how they're how they're using the space. Um, for years, we've been shrinking the office footprint. Um, we've been cramming more workers in to spaces that are on average 50 to 100 square feet, maybe a little bit more when 20 or 30 years ago, it was 200 to 250. We may just be sort of inflating that a little bit more. Um, we may be seeing things like um, uh, staggering shifts for workers where you still have roughly the same office footprint, but half of your workforce comes in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the other half comes in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, that could bode, maybe not necessarily well, but uh, stopping some of the bleeding from from the office space uh, sector. Hmm. So let's take a look at downtown Detroit, which, as I said in the open, we've spent a long time trying to repopulate downtown office buildings and downtown office space. And I think it's fair to say right before the pandemic, we had reached kind of a critical point in in, in that effort and downtown felt more busy and more alive than it has in in several decades here um, in Detroit. I, you know, I, I really wonder if uh, if what we're seeing in terms of the shift, if it's 20 to 30 percent uh, down, what what that means for that that surge? What does that mean for all of the, the work that was put into repopulating downtown Detroit? Well, that could be problematic because I think you're you're sort of hinting at sort of like ancillary things that come with office space when you're talking about things like restaurants and shops and all that mm -hmm. and all, all the office workers that are patronizing uh, the small the small and, and large businesses that you know are, are at sort of the street level of, of downtown that have been coming in for the last number of years and that could be an issue. Um, I know that there have been companies such as Bedrock who've been uh, attempting Bedrock and others who have been attempting to help out those small businesses that are on those ground level retailers by things like, you know, um, uh, uh, 
foregoing rent um, uh, requirements and, and and other measures to sort of draw people back downtown. Um, but I mean, if, if we are down 25 to 30% of the workforce, that's going to have an impact on the bottom line of those street level retailers and, and restaurants and bars and everything. Hmm. I'm talking with Kirk Pinho. He's a real estate reporter. For Crane's Detroit business, we're talking about what Detroit area companies are thinking about with regard to office space post-pandemic. Are they going to go back to what they were doing before, or are there going to be fewer people in office, even after the pandemic is no longer as much a threat as it is right now? Uh, Give us a call if you want to join the conversation. If you've been working mostly from home during the pandemic Do you expect to have to go back to the office more regularly once you and your colleagues are vaccinated and uh, COVID cases are back under control? Uh, Tell us why or why not. Tell us whether you're excited about that idea or not. Uh, Are you somebody who has discovered that working from home is better for you? Maybe you're more productive. Maybe your mental health is better uh, not being in an office all day with with coworkers, maybe you just like the idea of uh, of the solo work. Uh, do you think employers should ask workers whether they want to go back or not, and give people options about what their what their work life looks like? Uh, what are some of the things that you are going through your mind as we get closer to? employers and employees having to make these uh, these decisions. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. That's, uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Um, uh, Kirk, before we get to listeners, I want to ask you about the biggest project that was happening in downtown Detroit before the pandemic, and that is uh, the new skyscraper that uh, Dan Gilbert is trying to build at the old Hudson site. Uh, I I happened to be downtown uh, last week for the first time in in quite some time, in fact, driving through, and I noticed that uh, they are actually they're still building, uh, and there's something to see other than a big hole in the ground, which is what had been there for for quite some time. It, I believe what they're constructing now, uh, they look like elevator shafts, and that's uh, one of the one of the first things that goes up uh, in, a, in a skyscraper like that. Um, but give us an update on where something like that, which would demand a lot of companies and people to fill it up. Uh, Is any of what happened during the pandemic making them think differently about, uh, about the wisdom of building that building right now? I don't think so. So um, I think you're right. I believe those are elevator shafts that are going up. I would need to double check on that. Um, but there, there has been progress and you're right for as long as basically as long as the project's been happening, it's been basically a hole in the ground and they're drilling caissons. And you know now they started pouring concrete sort of at the street level and it's going to start rising actually out of the ground at grade level here fairly soon. Um, so in terms of, you sort of have to think of the two main components of the building. Uh, which are office space and hotel space, um, at least as, as currently envisioned. There's some residential as well as some event space as well. But my last I checked, there was something 
like 400,000 square feet of office and um, a few hundred hotel rooms. And sort of the design of that building is going to be dictated upon what hotel ends up actually going in there. Um, I've not heard any rumblings that they've sort of rethought that. And I think part of the reason um, might be that the building's still a very long way from being completed. We're in 2021 now. If I recall, the last estimates for it being completed were at least three years out. Um, by then, COVID, COVID theoretically should be a distant memory. Mm-hmm. And while maybe some of the trends that we're experiencing right now may play into the ultimate design and use of the building, I think by and large, um, we'll have figured it out by then, um, where right now we're still sort of, you know, fumbling our way around. Mm. Um, Office space will probably still be needed then, um, whether it's, you know, another 400,000 square feet, I'm not sure. Um, And hotel space, even before the pandemic, was pretty sorely needed based on what, um, what, you know, tourism and development experts have been saying and, and needing a, you know another thousand or two thousand hotel rooms that are still sort of in the pipeline here um, my anticipation is that the project will probably you know finish up here in the next two three years and will look largely the same as currently envisioned but we'll just sort of have to wait and see yeah again 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Micheline on Twitter says, Ann Arbor is flooded with available commercial real estate. If you want to open a restaurant, there are a lot of prime locations all decked out and ready to go. So uh, Ann Arbor, which was also uh, experiencing something of a boom before the pandemic in terms of the number of businesses and certainly mm-hmm. restaurants and bars in uh, in downtown is uh, is looking different these days post-pandemic. Let's go to David in Gross Point. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen, how are you? I'm good. So, um, I was calling in because uh, I work for Deloitte Consulting, and mm-hmm. I do global real estate strategies for Fortune 500 companies. Mm. And so we are helping them to figure out how to return to the office post-COVID uh, uh, pandemic here. And what we're finding, as your guest said, there's just a lot of confusion in the marketplace. People have for years thought about how uh, employees could work remotely, um, this past year, it's actually gone better for a lot of companies than they originally anticipated. And now um, corporations are trying to figure out what's the right mix of employees to return because there's a couple factors they need to consider. Number one, um, there's a whole feeling about being with your coworkers, that um, energy that it creates, uh, being able to share ideas. In fact, there's uh, analysis that we did that shows that two-thirds of all meetings take place just by chance within an organization. And so with our Zoom environment that we have right now, we're missing those, and people are getting what we call Zoom fatigue. Mm. So companies are trying to figure out what's the right way uh, to balance this going forward, but what we think we're going to find is the result of this is that most employees, probably 50% of them, will be hybrid. And so they'll come into the office one to two days a week. And because of that, the type of space that companies are searching for is changing. So they're going to change their mix of space within the physical environment that they're in. Yeah. Uh, David, that is wonderful uh, info about uh, all of these things that uh, I think uh, can only come from 
from an insider. I mean, somebody who's working with companies on this on this thing. Uh, Kirk, uh, talk about the dynamic that David's talking about, where there are, I guess, some middle middle points in, in all of this, where people yeah. may not be entirely at home, but they also may not be entirely in the office, and that would require a really different look at office space, I would think. I mean, you would need yeah. really different kinds of setups than than we had before the pandemic. Yeah, there is a lot of thinking about doing sort of a two to three day in the office work week for employees. Um, and I'm wondering if, if the caller's still on the line. Uh, I'm sorry, was it David? Yeah, he's still there. Uh, uh, David, are you seeing sort of the demand for returning to the office um, sort of split down generational lines, i.e. millennials and younger are fairly comfortable and okay with working from home, whereas people in older generations sort of view the you know, camaraderie and societal interaction that comes with that as being sort of... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, are you there, David? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, David. no, 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 I'm here. Yeah, no, you are seeing some of that. But what we're even seeing more is it's really by industry type and geography. So what so here in Detroit, we have, um, you know, most people will drive into work, they have their own car. But when you're on the coast, you have people who have to take public transportation in. And there are a lot of people who have a fear of, I've got to ride on a, on a subway or a train or whatever, and I'm crowded in with all these people. Also, too, there's a concern when you go into the central business district, I've got to go into a building. My office is on the 23rd floor. The amount of time it takes me to get in because we've got to have proper spacing in the elevators. So a lot of it is the horizontal, horizontal and vertical movement of people within the facility it's just a detriment to people wanting to spend all that time every day back in the office. The older generation, you're correct, probably more of those people would like to come back. But once they go in and they see how much effort it takes, they're kind of saying, ah, maybe I can work from home. Now, one thing I will say that we're starting to see the rise in, and this is actually good for people like WeWork and Regis and other co-working locations, is that there's a big flux now for companies to start to look at that type of space mm. because they need their portfolios to be agile. Mm. And now they can start to figure out where do my employees live and can I put small meeting centers or small regional offices in those locations in order to allow people to come together, meet, plan, if they have to work on a team project, etc. Yeah. So that's the trend we're starting to see. So we're seeing... Um, unfortunately, here for Detroit, a little bit of move away from CBD district to the suburbs yeah. because that's where people live. So yeah. going to have to be creative in how we um, start to use our space downtown in order to keep that momentum going, which we've had start here with yeah. um, Rock Ventures and other companies sure. moving down there. Yeah, David, I really, really appreciate the call and uh uh, and the info you have there. Um, let's quickly go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, I've only got about a minute left, but I, I, I did want to get you in here. Go ahead. The conversation you're having with your current guest ties into your conversation with Professor Ballard. Mm -hmm. If 25 to 30 percent of people who are doing what we might call white-collar work in offices leave our downtowns, this means there are going to be a need for fewer custodians 
your people to prepare and serve food. Uh, so at that end of the labor market, we're talking about changes. We're still talking about lots of cultural changes, breaking down the wall between workspace, home space. We spent centuries building up that wall. Right. Now we're thinking about at least with certain kinds of workers tearing down that wall and going yeah. back to the days when workers lived and worked at home. Wow. Uh, Ed, uh, appreciate the call and and the really important thought. Uh, Kirk, we've only got 30 seconds left now, but I uh, want to get you a chance to respond. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, as as the caller pointed out, that would uh, if, if there are 25 to 30 percent of the people who are now or who were um, prior to COVID working in an office and patronizing businesses in a central business district or elsewhere, it, logic would have that those businesses would see the subsequent decline in revenue and therefore have sort of a, a, um, a coinciding level of employment reduction. And that would absolutely have an impact on the labor market. Okay. Kirk Pinho, real estate reporter for Cranes Detroit Business. Great to have you with us here on Detroit Today. Thanks very much for coming by. No problem. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow, uh, and I hope you will too. We're going to have a conversation with civil rights attorney and author Jim Freeman about his new book, Rich Thanks to Racism. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.